0: Here we go! Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Talladay, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest. Travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today. So let's dive right in happy exploring. All right. Welcome to the pod, Sean. So happy to be here. Thanks
1: for having me. We
0: have Sean here. Sean Spire is the owner of Aspire Sports Lab and Aspire CrossFit, running the business for five years now, which is amazing. Uh, You spent decades swimming competitively and after retiring from the sport, just the traditional bodybuilding workouts, it wasn't going to cut it for you. And you wanted to push yourself and perform well and look good as a byproduct of athleticism, but not as the primary target, which I definitely want to dive into that sentiment a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So CrossFit running and Ironman triathlons quickly filled the void of swimming for him. Since opening Aspire five years ago, he's overseen the growth of the gym, both in person and online, which I love for our listeners to learn more about who are not from South Florida, to be able to learn a little bit more about your online offerings. Um, Aspire provides... Personal training, individual program design, and group CrossFit classes to both local and remote athletes all over the country. Sean believes that movement and nutrition are the pillars of health. However, we must learn how to achieve balance in order to maintain this lifestyle forever. Their various programs, op- various program options, make the methodology accessible to anyone who has the desire to make a long term lifestyle change to regain control of their body, health, and life. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. So happy. Um, so I'd love for you to just give a little bit more of that background of going from competitive swimming. I know we swam with against each other for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a long time mm-hmm. in high school. Um, and just like how that transition was for you from having such a set routine with your practices twice a day, every day for so many years to then trying to find and like forge your path um, within the, the fitness world.
1: Yeah, well... Uh, First of all, thanks for having me on. And uh, I'd love to share this journey and kind of share whatever I can with anybody that wants to listen. And one of the amazing things you know about swimming, swimming is incredible. It's an amazing sport, um, but it takes a lot, right? It takes a lot of our time. We have to be incredibly, you know, time-oriented, not only with our schedule, but also with our sport itself. Everything has to do around, uh, around that clock. And that's so amazing in so many ways. Um, It it taught us discipline. It taught us organization, um, which are all values that I think are incredibly important in life. Um, But there was also not a lot of balance, which I think later in life that really has impacted me heavily, um, especially when it comes to traveling, like we'll talk about later. But it it doesn't have a lot of balance. And that's one of the negatives of it. It's a year-round sport that never ends. And that was awesome to keep us out of trouble, to keep us out of doing bad things or getting into, you know, with the wrong crowd, because you only can really be friends with other people that swam, because that's what your whole life, you know, entails when you're doing that up until when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, But, you know, there are limitations of it, of course. So when I came out of that swimming world, um, I thought I wanted to work and train with athletes. I did my bachelor's in exercise science. I wanted to work with athletes. But then I quickly realized Training athletes was not something I was incredibly passionate about. Getting somebody to jump a little further, swim a little faster was not very impactful in my life. It was not really where my passion or my purpose was. But getting normal people healthier was awesome. Mm. And getting them to a point where, you know, they could live life better, move better, look better, feel better, and be more confident in their daily lives is something that I realized quickly that's where I really want to dedicate my time and energy. So I quickly changed from the athletic kind of performance world to kind of just the general average joe and jane and how i could best help them that led me into personal training and that led me into creating my own gym so i could impact a lot more people than just the small you know 10 to 15 people that i could personal train on a weekly basis to you know being able to have a 200 plus member gym now
0: yeah you know that's amazing and for everyone who's listening so his gym is located in South Florida in Pompano Beach. You guys just expanded to yeah. a, a really large facility, which yeah. is amazing and you have lots of local events and community events mm-hmm. and it's just such a strong community of people. Um and I love this concept of of moving from that like one to one, you know, training mm-hmm. where you're just trying to get that like 1% better for your athletes, we're having such a broad spectrum of impact for not just people like you said just feeling better and looking better, but feeling like they're walking away with a community and you're yeah. having such a such an impact on Broward County and beyond with your online programs as well. I can definitely relate to your uh, story of swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no balance. You're yeah. swimming, you know, four or five hours a day and your circle is your swimming friends because yeah. you're missing homecoming, you're missing prom, you're missing after school events because you have to train. And I definitely can relate to the skills of discipline and motivation and always having a emphasis or relying on importance on feeling healthy and being healthy. But it can definitely go to the other spectrum where we our bodies start breaking down because there's only so many times a shoulder can move in one direction, like mm-hmm. in freestyle or backstroke, and you're just starting to feel the effects of that out of balance movement or lifestyle, I guess you could say. Um, and so what to you – I love when you say how to achieve balance in order to maintain this lifestyle or this long-term lifestyle forever, making this lifestyle sustainable, a healthy lifestyle sustainable. What does this balance mean to you? Like what does that look like for you personally? Yeah, and
1: I thought – I think a lot of this stems from swimming also. When I saw uh, – swimming and elite athletes in general, um, I saw so many elite athletes, be it swimmers or football players or whoever it might be, once they stop that sport – they are either going to put that mind and that focus into another activity um, or it kind of just goes away because they're so burnt out from it. So many swimmers I know especially um, are now battling being overweight, battling being obese because they were so just, you know, they did it for so long and they were so burnt out from it that it went just the complete opposite direction. And it's funny. I was – well, it's not funny at all. It's, it's a real thing. I was talking to a, a pro football player who was worried about CTE. And um, he told me, you know, he was talking to me about CTE and why he was going to retire. But he also said – he's like, but do you know the vast majority of football players are dying from obesity-related diseases? I was like, huh, that's interesting. He's like, yeah, because we still eat the same amount. We still try to live the same way, but yet we're not training the way we used to anymore. And that's why I think balance has been so important in my life of taking all the great things I learned from swimming, the discipline, the hard work, the surrounding yourself with like-minded people. um, But then adding that balance into it, because there's some awesome things that we can enjoy in this world that don't need to go the complete opposite direction. We can still If you're into it, drink alcohol, which I I love beer. I drink beer weekly. And, you know, I want to indulge in that personally. I love good food. I don't go out to restaurants. You can't, I don't know where the healthy restaurants are. That's because I eat healthy at home. I cook healthy most of the week. My wife and I cook. And when we go out, I order whatever sounds delicious on the menu. I'm getting steak. I'm getting fries. I'm getting any appetizer that sounds good because that's my balance. I love to eat out and I love to have a drink or two or three while I do that. And that's kind of that balance for me is knowing that like the vast majority of my week, I always tell people to look at their lifestyle, their week as like seven days. Obviously, it's seven days. But what percentage of those seven days are you being good or are you being active? Or are you eating well? Because seven out of seven is 100%. That is unsustainable. You're going to end up like that swimmer who trained hard for 20 years and then now does nothing. You're going to end up like that student that, you know, had perfect grades all through high school and then just got over it at some point and dropped out of college. It's really hard to maintain 100%, but you can maintain six out of seven pretty good. That's 80. That's an 85%. I always want people to have one day off when I say day off, that could be from eating, that could be from abstaining from alcohol, that could be from um, whatever it might be, exercise. Um, but really take a day off at least. Um, even five out of seven, that's 71%. You know, that, that's a C average. You know, a lot of people say Cs get degrees. And with our body, that's actually pretty true. Um, five out of seven days a week will make you incredibly fit. Now, the problem is when you get to the four out of sevens and three out of sevens, most people look at their life and they say, oh, I'm pretty good. You know, I do two or three days of this exercise wise. Oh, I, I eat pretty well, but you know, I have two glasses of wine every night. When those start adding up and you look at it from a full percentage of your week, that is um, gradual detrimental changes. Even something as little as 96 extra calories a day could gain 10 pounds in a year. Wow. It's small. But if we can just maintain that balance of mostly being good, whatever good is for you, there's a million definitions and a million influencers or experts even that you could follow to define what your good is. Your good has a lot more yoga involved in it than my good. And that's totally okay. That's your good and you're moving. That's perfect. That's exactly what you need to do, Kelly, to be healthy. For me, should I do more yoga? Probably. But I would rather choose that hour of day and just do it something different with it. So we can all define what good is. Your good of nutrition might be totally different than mine. I am not a vegan. I'm not saying you are, but a lot of people believe in more of a vegetarian lifestyle. I am a big meat eater. That's totally okay because I think we don't necessarily need to put ourselves in these boxes or these labels. If we just follow what we kind of believe is good and read and educate ourselves, of things that align with our values, and we stay good, whatever that might be for you. Those five or six days out of the week, it's it's going to lead to a long time of you know being able to live this way and longevity and wellness, and kind of get rid of that fear or that reality of burnout and trying to be perfect all the time because because mm. we can't be. We can't be. We've got to find that balance. I saw it in swimming. I got burnt out myself. So how do I maintain this lifestyle for longer? Well, maybe I don't force myself to exercise twice a day. Maybe I allow myself to take a day off. Maybe I allow myself to sleep in. And maybe I allow myself to, I had coaches that say, never just go through the motions. I need you train hard every day. I don't believe in that. It's totally fine to go through the motions some days. Just move. Just do your practice or do your movement or your exercise. That's okay to go through the motions sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time actually is probably okay.
0: You know. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Rising Nature Retreats. Are you feeling called to explore the world, tick off your bucket list and make lifelong friends along the way? Are you overwhelmed from planning the logistics of your trips or sick of feeling like you need a vacation from your vacation when you return home? Rising Nature Retreats offers world-class travel experiences. Infused with daily yoga and wellness, personal development workshops, unique adventure and cultural excursions, and holistic local cuisines. Experience the world as you elevate your wellness. Return home feeling rejuvenated and empowered to bring what you learn about other cultures and about yourself back home with you. This is the adventure you've been waiting for. Join us in 2024 to explore Thailand, Portugal, or Greece. Visit RisingNatureRetreats.com or at Rising Nature Retreats on Instagram and Facebook for all the brochures and information on upcoming international retreats and local of classes and events in South Florida. I, I, I really appreciate you saying the concept of what's good for you and then allowing yourself to just go through the motions because I also believe it's more about like setting like parameters for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have to hit 100% every day like let's like you said let's between 75 to 100%. Mm-hmm. Some days you're going to have to take your foot off the pedal. Some days you're going to have to put the brake on. Some days you're ready to go, pedal to the metal and go 100%. And if we're constantly having our foot on the pedal pressing go 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 go, go eventually you're going to run out of gas. So it's really important to have that the the boundaries in which you set for yourself and having a lot of freedom within those boundaries. And that's what it sounds like to to me what what you're saying is that sustainability lies within that 70 to 100% range yeah. and giving yourself the the space to give yourself permission to back off a little bit and then get back on it, but not not doing anything at all. Like yeah. like you said, going through the motions is okay. Just move. Just go for a walk maybe yeah. instead of going for a full 60-minute class. Mm-hmm. That's important. The movement aspect and relative nutritional value mm-hmm. <laughs> in your food, like that's the key to sustainability.
1: Yeah, totally. And whether that's like, in our I own a CrossFit gym and in that space, like, One of the biggest criticisms we have is injuries, and there's a lot of reasons for that. People don't move well. You know, maybe the coaching's a problem. Maybe you're just trying to do too much. But that's actually the third one, the lack of humility and trying to do too much is often the problem because we want to just get in and compete or get the most out of our day and try to crush this workout, when in reality, I tell people to look at their week, their four to five times a week of, of workouts, and they should only really be trying as hard as they can about one time a week. About 10% of the time, should they really be competing? Should they really be pushing themselves to the absolute limit? Other than that, they should just be prioritizing their form, their technique, all of that. But that's the same with all of our life. The vast majority of our life should be routine. I feel like there's a massive benefit to that. But as we can talk about later, I actually, I believe in also getting rid of that routine from time to time. I especially do that while I travel. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things like we totally get off routine. But for the most part, I wake up at 4:45 every day. I, you know, then I do this, then I do that. I have the same morning routine every morning. I have the same nightly routine. My days are very very similar in all the good ways. That's how I believe I am at the level of fitness I am, at the level of business I am, at the level of family or husbandship or you know <laughs> fathership that I am is because of that routine. But it's also healthy to completely get off of it as well and like you said allow that flexibility to occur.
0: You know, yeah, and it's important for your body to learn how to be flexible because mm-hmm. life isn't going to be the same every single day. Even totally. if you wake up at the same time and go to bed at the same time, mm-hmm. what's happening in your day, your stress levels, you know, your son could get sick and mm-hmm. your stress levels are going to go up. So, like having your body be able to be metabolically flexible, mm-hmm. stress flexible, mental resilience flexible is really important. And I You're so right, I love your, your conversation around traveling and allowing yourself to kind of go off that routine a little mm-hmm. bit. And with traveling, you I've seen you post and, and talk about, you know, training to explore. And it sounds like to me, your, your gym and what you try to educate your members on is this idea of sustainability and longevity and not just looking good, but being able to like, not the quantity of days in your life but the quality mm-hmm. of days in your life. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being able to go out and explore the world and have a 3 year old strapped to your back and not feel like you're totally exhausted at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. What has that been like for you having your son, having another one along the way and and ch- changing your mindset a little bit on on the way in which you train now.
1: Yeah. Oh man, it's 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 like constantly evolving and I think that's something too with with balance and all of these things is evolution. And we have to do things at different times in our life for different reasons. And um, with that, I think the, the beauty of most of our travel um, has something to do with fitness. And it's kind of always been that way. And I think that's just because obviously it's been ingrained in my and my wife's life for so long. Um, but we realized we could do some pretty amazing things um, and see the world both at the same time. And there's some incredible places in this world that with a, a little bit of adventure and a, a basic level of fitness, they, they really don't take that much. Some of these trails that we go on are, are not very far. Um, they might only be a half mile, but it's uphill. Mm-hmm. You know, th- they are challenging to an extent. Um, but there's some amazing things that you can see in places that you can go with that basic level of fitness and a little adventure. And we kind of wrap fitness around in it as well just because It's already ingrained in our life. And whether it's a race, we've done a lot of things in the past. Um, Talk about balance. The the only time we've been to Europe was when a friend of mine and I drank way too much bourbon one night and we signed up for Spartan Race London (laughs) and I woke up the next morning with... Uh, tickets to London and a Spartan race in my email. And I had no recollection that we even did this. Um, but once again, balance, like we had a little too much to drink. We signed up for a race and almost across, every
0: across the world, yeah, <laughs> across almost, the pond, and
1: almost every Ironman I've ever signed up for. I've needed a couple beers to like say like, all right, let's do this. But, you know, picking a race somewhere has been a really cool thing that we've done, um, mostly pre prior to kids. Uh, and seeing places that I wouldn't necessarily have gone to. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to Tempe, Arizona. But, you know, then we went to Sedona afterwards and Flagstaff and explored the whole area after Man, Arizona. And we're able to really explore after doing something really cool. So once again, balance. We flew there. We did something awesome that I'll never forget in Man with a bunch of friends. And then we went and explored after. Kind of, you know, let, high level of fitness and then eat and drink for a week. You know, kind of that's that balance of lifestyle in that way. And then once we had kids, um, we wanted to like fill the void of we I I didn't mostly I traveled because of swimming and not just to see the world. And we wanted to make sure that we saw the world or at least this country to start um, with him and take him outside and take him exploring. And it's really gotten off to a pretty good start. It's not only taught me how to be more organized, but how to have more patience. Um, But really just thinking back like, wow, he's going to look at all these pictures and see us doing this together because he does it all on my back. Soon he'll be walking up next to us and hiking next to us with another one on our back. And I'm just excited to see the travels and we'll hit it in a little bit, but the growth that we see in him, I just can't wait to see how that kind of flourishes you know, in the future. But that's our balance. Uh, you know, we we get that activity to see the world, but then we also don't feel bad when we go out at night and we eat bad food and we have a few drinks because we just hiked all day. So that's totally fine.
0: I think that's a really amazing tip to for anyone, like you said, even with a basic level of fitness mm-hmm. on how to merge fitness and travel. And it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be an Ironman. It could be a color run. It could be like an organized national park hike. Sometimes the national parks get yep. together and say, on this weekend, we're going out and exploring and finding you know, new observations of the park. We need people to come in to mm-hmm. volunteer. There's really cool ways to say, hey, I've never been to London. Mm-hmm. Let's see when there's a race. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> my friend and I did our first triathlon two years ago. And it was in South Florida. It was in, uh, in West Palm Beach over Singer Island. And we we're like, wow, we should really make this like a trip. Our next triathlon, let's go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Hawaii. Both of us are born and raised in South Florida. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of hills. Mm-hmm. The biggest hill is a bridge. So we start climbing over the Singer Island Bridge and we're like, wow, this would really suck if we have to go up and over this bridge on bike and and running. And we didn't really look at the the trail map. And lo and behold, we went up and over twice and we immediately scrapped our idea of Colorado. Mm -hmm. We're like, we need to train a lot harder if we're going to go do a triathlon Mm -hmm. in Colorado. There's no way we can handle this right now. But it was such a cool idea to think, hey, where's some really cool spots? So instead of Colorado, we looked at... Um, at Cocoa Beach. We mm-hmm. looked at one in Isla Mirada, and we're like, "There's a seven-mile bridge run in the Florida mm-hmm. Keys. How can we bake in fitness, which is an important part of our lives mm-hmm. too, into also traveling and bringing the family along?" So I think that's a really cool tip for listeners who want to start weaving in fitness with traveling. I I wanted to ask, like, how do you personally maintain, apart from the hikes that you do, how do you personally maintain like a level of vitality and wellness while you're traveling, mm-hmm. especially with kids, because it's just in a whole nother layer of, like you said, organization, mm-hmm. thinking things through and nap times and all the things that come with having a toddler while you're traveling. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain a level of that balance? Like you said, is do you try to stay within certain, like, I don't want to say restraints of try to stay within certain meals that you eat? Do you try to You know, how does that look for you while you're trying to maintain your energy while you're traveling?
1: Yeah. So we can first go food-wise, you know, trying to – one of the first things we do when we go somewhere is go grocery shopping. And that might just be for snacks, depending on where we're staying. If it's in a hotel, for example, we just get snacks and get the same snacks that, that we usually have. So that's first one. So make sure that not only ourselves, but our children or child in this case, children soon, you know, have the same things they are be eating on. That way we don't have to try to find things outside that are going to kind of get us off track a little bit. So we go grocery shopping, we get snacks. Um, next up is, especially when we've done longer trips, such as the past two summers doing, um, National parks is that we're renting a van and we're cooking almost all of our food. So, almost all of our food, we will go out as more of a splurge, um, but we're cooking all our food and it's basically the same things that we eat at home. So, nutritionally, it's staying very much on point. Um, If we're not, if we're going, you know, doing something else, going to a race or just traveling, you know, staying in a hotel, you know, I think for us in particular, since that's kind of part of that balance for us, is That's where nutrition actually kind of goes off. We'll make sure that in weeks prior that we're not going out to eat as much uh, while we're home. We're cooking more. We're staying really on track. So that way, when we do get to travel, we get to experience whatever's local there, especially if we're going to be eating out a lot. Because if we're going to eat out a lot, like I said, we tend to not eat the healthy options. We're going to, you know, kind of eat what we want. So I always have a hard time when people at the gym ask me that travel a lot, like for, for work, how to stay on track. I'm not the best person to ask. Because I'm the one at the restaurant that orders whatever I want. That's because my balance is mostly done at home. And I have that kind of set in stone that I eat, you know, the same kind of things all the time. And they're good for me. They're my good. Um, When it comes to exercise um, and staying on track on that point, walking. You know, our last couple national park uh, trips... Are, we're hiking every day, 5 to 10 miles. So it's yeah. extremely yeah. dominant when it comes to fitness. And we don't really have to worry about that component. But if not, we tend to walk as much as we can, whether that's you know the best way to see a new city is walking or running. So exploring on foot somehow, that's probably the best way we do it. I don't tend to go to gyms when I'm traveling. Um, I don't go to hotel gyms. I don't drop into CrossFits. Um, that's just me personally because I'm in a gym every day. Like I said, I want that balance to kind of get out of my routine a little bit and explore, you know, something else. So really, it's just more activity. Just get walking in, get hiking in, or I did some sort of race already, so the guilt's kind of gone. So I take a few days or even a week of kind of taking that off and letting my body rest and recover a little bit, um, because a lot of what we do, like I said, we'll have a we do a if we do a race, it's on the front end of the trip. So we'll fly in, kind of get situated for a day. Race will be day three. And then we hang out for a few days after. Mm-hmm. So, usually one of those races right in the beginning and then kind of whatever, rest and recover till we get home. And to go back to what you were saying earlier, there's a great way to do it also called destination races that do uh, half marathons at the national parks, oh, which are wow. really cool too. Um, that was the first time we went to Zion. We did the Zion half marathon. Oh, how cool. And um, then we stayed for a few days after. Into the national park. That's after. amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's a
0: great tip. I'll make sure to yeah. note that down yeah. in the show that's notes cool. for sure. That's cool. Yeah. There's a lot to touch on there. Yeah, My brain right. was like, wow. Um so I really appreciate the tip of getting snacks that you would normally mm-hmm. get at home. I mm-hmm. think one, especially if you're traveling with kids, it creates just consistency. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're traveling, you don't have those snacks readily available. You're going to go to the airport food court, you're going to go to the, you know, food stall down the road and you're just going to grab whatever, whatever you can find. Yep. And ha- nine times out of 10, it's not going to be the healthiest thing for them. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're flying, your digestion's already getting all jumbled up. Like mm-hmm. that's just na- naturally what happens to us. And so for them, their little systems just really need, they really crave that consistency, especially nutritionally yeah. with what they need. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great tip. Like get similar, if not the same snacks that you have at home mm-hmm. and – The idea of knowing that you've done the work before your trip, like not trying to like Mm -hmm. force yourself around these constraints on your trip, because like you said, this is a time for your brain to just like let a lot of that, Mm -hmm. let a lot of those restraints go, let a lot of those um, routines go so that you can just reset mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So knowing I've done the legwork leading up Mm -hmm. to this trip and now I'm going to do my best to stay healthy, but I'm also going to let myself just you know, enjoy and and, and and take in everything that mm-hmm. this place has to offer. And, and walk and do things that, yes. that
1: will get you out of there. Find hikes or just simply walk around the city or, you know, do things that can keep you active. But I think that's part of that balance is that we do need that mental reset sometimes. And personally, so much of my life is so structured, which is good. I love it. It makes me very productive. I absolutely love it. However, if I want to continue that for the next year and decade, and multiple decades in my life, I need those little resets. So it's a good mental reset. And physically, taking a week or two off from from exercise is not going to put you very far behind. It's simply not. Uh, As long as you get back to it. That's the biggest thing is, you know, I see a lot of times people staying in really good habits for a long period of time. Then something knocks them off. Could be a trip. Could be their kid getting sick. Could be something at work and they get knocked off for a week or two or three. That's not that big a deal, but it's making sure. So when you get back from that trip or whenever that thing ends, um, like I said for me, I kind of get off of my routine while I travel. I don't work out a lot. Um, I just do active things while I'm there. But as soon as I get back, one of the most important things I do on the first day I'm back is back to my routine. Not allowing that lack of routine or that kind of break I had, that reset I had both mentally and physically, kind of bleed over. Let's reset back to where we were. Make changes that are necessary. Remember, we should always evolve. If you, for some reason, had an epiphany during those two, that two-week vacation that doing X, Y, or Z in your life isn't meeting your goals or your needs anymore, great, get rid of it. We should actually continually kind of do a little analysis of ourselves and find out what's working, what's not, and get rid of the things that are not working. But keep those things that are working and get back to them Right day one, you need to get back to it. That's the most important part.
0: Yeah, I that those epiphanies happen a lot mm-hmm. while you travel, mm-hmm. especially because you have that break away from yeah. your day to day. You have that little bit of space to breathe, and then start asking yourself a little bit of those deeper questions. It happens a lot on hikes. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but yeah. as soon as I start hiking, my brain's like, mm-hmm. who are you and what's your purpose in this world? <laughs> and, do, and do I
1: really need to be spending an hour of my day doing that? Exactly. The answer is maybe. Yeah. Uh, but the answer is maybe not. Yeah. You know, maybe not. I journal every day and it's always been every morning for the past since my son was born, it was the first day I journaled. And it was always every morning. And then I realized at some point, I can skip a day. I don't really have anything to say today. Mm. I don't need to just do it because it's a habit. It's basically a routine. I don't need to do it every morning. And you know what? Sometimes in the middle of the day, I like journaling. And sometimes at night, I like to throw some ideas down too. So that it doesn't have to be something that was at five o'clock every single morning anymore. It could move around. So maybe I'm flexible with that or maybe I just completely get rid of it. And for periods of time in my life, because it's just simply not working for me anymore. I used to read every single morning also. And it was causing me to have to wake up so early mm-hmm. that i'm like you know what i'm going to change that to later in the day cuz i for 4:15 a.m. is really early i'd rather 4:45
0: yeah yeah that's still really early yeah
1: <laughs> it, it is still early it is still early oh my gosh yeah
0: um yeah and and allowing yourself to have those pockets of, of reevaluation mm-hmm. of what's important to you like you said yeah maybe you do keep on doing those things or let's open up our brain to the possibility, open up our mind to the possibility that there's another way of doing something and that's mm-hmm. okay. I would love to hear more about your recent trip to Washington, mm-hmm. your camper van trip. Yeah. I know you guys did Utah last summer yep. and mm-hmm. then you did Washington this summer. I'd yeah. love to hear just like things that happened and what you've observed and yeah. traveling with Dylan and, you know, just how that was for you guys living in a little camper van for how, yeah. two weeks was yeah, it? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Um,
1: and so... It's great to be able to share because so many people have said they'd want to do something like that if they just, you know, knew how to do it or knew someone that could do it or whatever it is. And we wanted to do the national parks because we had never been to a national park. Um, Besides for maybe going to Biscayne Bay or Everglades just driving through, you know, we had really never been to a national park. And it wasn't until we flew into uh, we went to Grand Canyon and hiked rim to rim, just uh, her and I and a few people from the gym. Uh, And we did Rim to Rim in one day. And that was our first time seeing the Grand Canyon being out west like that. And we're like, wow, we got it. We're in. We got to do this. And so we decided we're going to see the national parks. And we're going to see all of them. And we started with Utah. That was my wife Erica's kind of first dream to do a The Utah Loop, uh, which was all five national parks in Utah, which we did last summer. And we did that in a van, obviously. And then we just went to Washington State and did the three national parks there. North Cascades, uh, Mount Rainier, and Olympic. And I think the biggest thing going in this, like, is probably with everything in life, right, is fear. Fear of the unknown. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know how to do these things. And we've never rented a van. We've never stayed in a van. Most people don't even know how we rent a van. So I just Googled it. There's tons of ways to rent vans now. And it's just a matter of doing it and having that little adventure and exploration and you and knowing that like you're not going to do everything right. And we learned a lot on our Utah trip. And we learned even more on this trip because now he's, our son's three and a half and we're in a small van together for two weeks. And how does this all work? And it's awesome. We flew in. We used a site online to rent someone's RV. We uh, went right to their house, rented their their camper van, and drove out to Olympic National Park. And we did that for all the parks. We stayed in various locations, probably different places almost every night, different campsites. Uh, some are campsites. Some are just uh, open land where you can stay. Some are private property that you pay small fees on. Tons of apps to help you find all these things out, as well as you know a lot of reservations we made previous to that. And just a combination of everything, but I think the biggest thing that we took from this last trip, well, one, it completes us get completes us get out of our routine, mm-hmm. so that's the one thing that I absolutely love because we're in a house all the time. Now it's just us anywhere we want to be, and it's great because a lot of these national parks don't have a lot of amenities. They're in the middle of nowhere, so having your own van or having your own RV is an awesome way to see it because you can your home's wherever you want it to be. Yeah, um, we. Go to our different spot every day. We'd pick the hikes that we wanted to do from all trails, and we would do them. And I think the biggest part is there's the balance between – once again, we go to balance – between actually planning it and adding a little exploration into it, especially with a kid. Because we kind of need to know where we're staying at night or at least have a really good idea. But what we're actually doing that day might totally change. Weather conditions are dependent. Trail conditions. Is it crowded? Can we get parking at the trailhead? We want to – Um, is Dylan going to cooperate? Because he might want to, he's kind of, it was getting to the age where he wanted to hike. Mm -hmm. And last year we could just bribe him with a cookie and he'd hop right in our bag. Um, But this time he actually wanted to hike. So it took a little longer to get him in there because he had to get tired first. But I think that's the biggest thing is, like you said earlier, like flexibility. And that really teaches us that flexibility. And what do we kind of have a plan for today, but hopefully we can get it done. Last year, we really wanted to um, hike Angel's Landing in Zion, which is a tiny, you know, tiny little trail, um, you know, 2,000 feet up in, in the air. And our first try attempt at it, it was cold. Dylan was not happy. He was yelling the whole time. We had to cancel it. The next time we tried, we were able to do it. And he was asleep the whole time in the pack. We walked up this tiny little trail up to the, the peak of Angel's Landing, and he woke up at the top. We were... We were scared he was going to be terrified, but he loved it. We walked all the way down, and we just had to adjust a little bit. We had to be flexible with it. Same thing this past trip. There are times where, you know, we're able to do exactly what we want, and it's going to go exactly as planned. Other times where, you know, maybe it's turning a little bit more into a nature walk than on the trail because he just has to explore a little bit, and we go, it takes us an hour to go a half mile. And that's okay because he's exploring He's getting so much just, he's immersed in nature. He's not staring at technology. He's not watching something on YouTube. He's just involved in whatever's around him and we're involved with each other as a family. So it's really nice.
0: This episode is brought to you by Child and Company. Child and Company is South Florida's first family-friendly office space featuring private offices, a professional content creation studio, and childcare for hybrid work and work from home parents located in Boca Raton. Child and Company is founded on the belief that you shouldn't have to choose between raising a family and being career driven. Their core mission is to create an environment where family and work can exist in harmony. The best part to me as a mom is that you can pop in and breastfeed your baby or have lunch with your toddler if you like and then pop back into your office for your Zoom meeting, which I think is so key, especially for newborn moms going back to work. It's the perfect transition from emerging out of the newborn bubble and getting back to the business you love. Child and Company provides you the flexibility to work in a beautifully designed, ergonomic private office with insanely good Wi-Fi connection and soundproofing while just being steps away from your child. They have monthly themes that they base their lessons on, like in September, they are exploring the animals of the Amazon, which I obviously love when children get opportunities to learn more about the world and build a sense of curiosity. Child and Company offers weekly and monthly classes and events like some beanie, music class for babies, mindful cooking for toddlers, big kid yoga, and mindful mama community events, and so much more. I've been a member since February, 2023, utilizing their private offices and their professional content creation studio. Child and Company is where all of the magic happens for this podcast. Their beautiful recording studio is soundproofed with state-of-the-art equipment, microphones, lighting, and cameras. So you can record your podcast, course content, meditation clips, and anything else you might wanna record for your business. The Child and Company team truly feels like family. They are an extension of my team over here at Rising Nature Retreats and the Transform with Travel podcast, as well as an extension of my own family. If you're local to Palm Beach and Broward County, do yourself a favor and check out Child and Company. Visit www.childandcompany.com or head over to Instagram at Child and Company. Yeah. Have you guys, because it's what I'm hearing previously was, you know, I have my structure, I have my routine, I mm-hmm. have my goals, I do all these things. And then on the road, it sounds like there's a lot more flexibility. Have have you had to learn that with, with having a son with traveling? Or were you always like that as a traveler?
1: No, definitely learned.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah definitely learned. And that's why like, there's got to be a degree, my wife's very good at planning. And she basically would have, you know, frameworks of the entire trip set up. Um, but just allowing kind of letting it go where it might have to you know that might mean an extra day or two here that might mean having to skip this trail so it's definitely a learned trait um but what we've realized is like as long as we're together and we're hanging out and we're just exploring somewhere new it's okay like just allow it to happen weather's gonna happen uncontrollable you know you can control certain factors um you know we took we had a when we flew in he was using a tablet out there um, on this last trip. And we got in the car, he had the tablet again, and he was a nightmare. It, I think the battery died, and he was freaking out. Oh, no. And we couldn't just explain to him, we're trying to charge it, and he screamed for an hour. And we made the decision that's it. He has no more technology the rest of the trip. And it made certain things a lot harder on us because now we have no moments of peace. Uh, there's nothing where our three and a half year old and us are not involved together in. And there was no moment for us. But at the same time, for the rest of the trip, he was great. He was, an ama- he was amazing because uh, he listened. and We talked to him and we talked him through things. And although that was a lot more effort on our parts, it was an amazing lesson that we learned that, all right, although we can use the tablet for things like flying, maybe we need to take it out of other aspects of his life because he was a much better little citizen of the world when he didn't have it in front of him. So that was also that break from his routine, which yeah. was great too. And he actually never gets the tablet. But things like phone and TV, um, you know, kind of take that away for a little bit and, and see where that flexibility kind of takes you, you know?
0: That, I think, is really powerful because we, we had something similar. We went to Ireland last year, so Layla would have been uh, 20 months. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you use the tablet on the plane because how else are you going to survive, yeah. what, yeah. five hours to Washington, yeah. ten hours to London and Dublin? And but then we just it kind of became a habit where we were like oh we're at a restaurant we mm-hmm. want to enjoy our meal here's the tablet mm-hmm. here's the tablet the whole trip and then we got home and we went to the restaurant and she looked at me and she's like where's the where's tablet? my tablet yeah <laughs> and I yeah. was like wow this is like this this it's such a pacifier it's an electronic digital pacifier mm-hmm. so. Like you said, it was a lot more effort on your end mm-hmm. to take that away. But you have no- you noticed an immediate change in his behavior oh, that was benefiting the overall yeah. goal of the trip, which was experiencing that part of the world together. Mm-hmm. And I heard this quote this morning, actually, and it was, parenting is a learned skill. Mm-hmm. So I love that because mm-hmm. we're always learning. Like mm-hmm. it, before kids, I would have been like, I have – I have to see this park. I need to do this hike. Mm-hmm. It's raining. Are you kidding? Like I just would have lost my mind over not being able to do mm-hmm. things that were on my to-do list for that trip. Yeah. And with kids, like you said, it's just one of those things you you learn as you go and mm-hmm. you learn you have to be flexible because they're mm-hmm. their own little humans and they have their own preferences. And you kind of just have to let go, like you said, let go of that perfectionism or let go mm-hmm. of those details that yeah. you so want to grasp onto.
1: And everything you're doing and they're learning from are the most important things we could do within our parenting, right? Like we're we're constantly teaching them values and we're constantly leading by example. And one of the things we realized with this trip, for example, if we want him off the phone, we can't be on our phones because why can we be on our phones if he can't be on his phone or his tablet? And they're just constantly learning and we're, we're instilling these values in them and instilling those values of flexibility is a good thing, but also instilling those values of routine. Um, and just all of that, just they're constantly learning from us. And it is more challenging. And there's nothing wrong with technology, right? It's beautiful. That's what we're doing right now. Um, but just used in the proper ways. And they're too young to know the proper ways. Mm-hmm. I think adults in a lot of ways aren't, don't know the proper ways either. Mm-hmm. But we can still learn, right? We can still evolve. And there are times where it's perfect. He needs it on the plane. He yeah, needs it. That's, it has to. Yeah. <laughs> I know why I didn't fly across country when I was three years old. Because there weren't tablets. Exactly. Like, it, that's, that's one of the reasons. It might be more. But it, it does make that experience so much more enjoyable, not only for you, but the people around you. And people comment, wow, he was so good on the plane. I'm like, yeah, you watched the tablet the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, it's not, there's no secret sauce there. Um, but then outside of that, let's take that away and make sure that he's watching what's around him. And that was one of the reasons we took it away, I remember. Maybe it wasn't battery. Maybe it was just because we wanted him to look around. We kept pointing out mountains for him. And he wasn't looking at it. By the end of the trip, he was saying, mountains, volcano, Mount Rainier. He was pointing things out outside the window and just being so observant of his surroundings because they learn. They learn from everything they see is three and a half years old. They learn all the time. They learn from our actions. They learn our values. They learn our morals. They learn all these things. Um, but if they're just staring at a tablet the whole time, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Now, can we use it as that little crutch every now and then? 100%. But we have to find those boundaries and make sure that those boundaries are clear enough that they know it too.
0: It sounds like almost this example of knowing the boundaries of the tablet use, mm-hmm. that one to two days a week mm-hmm. yeah. is your cheat day. Yeah, And then as long as, you know, 70 to 800% of your week you're on it right yeah. so maybe he watches a little bit of tv after school maybe yeah. he does a little bit of this but for the majority of his week mm-hmm. he's he's on his boundary of tablet use and it can be almost it's it feels like to me directly correlated to us with our nutrition and our health yeah we have those one to two days where we're we're enjoying ourselves we're indulging a little bit but because we've done the work of within mm-hmm. our boundaries of of staying within mm-hmm. that realm of fitness and movement and nutrition and it mm-hmm. seems like the way that we want to instill those values of boundaries and knowing what's right and what's wrong within our kids. It's like we're like reparenting ourselves (laughs) in the process.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're so right because I always tell people too, it doesn't have to be one or two days, right? It could be like you said, after school. If if I have a client that says, you know, I want to drink one glass of wine every night or two glasses. I'm like, great. Awesome. That's 14 glasses for the week and you're done. There's no more on Sunday. There's no extras. Like, that's your week. That's your percentage that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It could be on a daily basis. It could be on a weekly basis. And it's the exact same way. And that's that's with everything in life is having those boundaries. We should, you know, living essentially if we're on a highway, right? Like, that's 100%. We're going right down the lines. But if we swerve off a little bit, like, it's okay. Like, you're not flying off the highway. You're not flying off the road. You can actually, there's quite a degree of swerve, right? You can go all the way off into the median and you still haven't hit that guardrail to fly off the cliff. And that's okay. Like if we just focus a little bit more on those guardrails and a little bit more on on where should we stay, where's our lane, then that's great. We can switch lanes from time to time, but mostly staying in that lane as much as possible, whether it's nutrition, whether it's mm. exercise, whether it's technology use, um, an overindulgence of anything is a massive negative. Mm. Anything.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: And w- we just need to kind of keep that those boundaries on and, and like you said, you know, working on that tablet usage for for him on this trip was a was a huge one for us you know and also looking at ourselves of how much do we use it in front of him yeah because if i'm always on my phone shouldn't his expectation be to always be on a phone
0: yeah i think about that all the time it's so hard when like, all right, Leila, it's time to turn the TV off while I'm, like, scrolling on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it's in their brains. It's like, well, what do you mean? She doesn't know that I'm working on a work email. Yeah. It's just that's a it's a fun thing for her to look at is the phone. So yeah. You mentioned yeah. Um, instilling values in your kids. What would you say, and Erica's not here, your wife, so she. it's coming just from you. But what mm-hmm. would you say are some of your, like, top core values within your family culture that you're trying to instill within your family? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The three the three to four biggest ones, she would definitely include the fourth one because this is a conversation I think all families should have. Um, I think all families and relationships should talk about their core values. And I think that's one of the biggest things we lack within our American society, maybe our world society. I don't know. I live in America and I only – I kind of live in a bubble in certain ways, in certain good ways. I know a little bit, a bit about the world, but – I keep to, you know, my certain bubble to a degree and that we don't talk about those core values and we don't live them enough. Mm-hmm. And the number one that I think that would be within ours and we would agree on is humility. I think to, and it's a hard one to have and we constantly battle it. I know I do. Um, but just the willingness to learn and learn from others and be wrong and just humility in general is, is. Probably our number one value that that I really cherish that I want to instill in him. I want him to be hungry to learn. I want him to be hungry to be better. But I want him to be humble to the fact that he might not know everything, or that he might be wrong in situations, or that he needs to gain another perspective in order to really um, understand this. Um, hard work would be the next one. Um, at the gym, we call it hunger, um, but kind of in our family, I kind of look at more as hard work, and Work ethic is incredibly important to me. Uh, I want our kids to be hard workers. I don't mind so much if it's in figure skating or if it's in technology or what field it is, and I will support him in any way that he wants to go with that hard work. Academics, sports, whatever it might be, Um, social service, whatever it is. But he's got to do it good, and he's got to work hard at it. He's got to give it his best. Hard work would be a huge one for us. Next up is integrity. And, uh, you know, once again, we got to live these values as well and making sure that we're honest about everything. You know, when we were at the ER last night because he broke his wrist, um, the, the doctor, when we were getting x-rays, was trying to sugarcoat something about like, oh, we're just going to take pictures of your arm, you know. And I'm like, they're taking pictures of your bones. And he's like, what? And I was explaining to him the bones and I want him to know everything about that. We don't need to sugarcoat anything. Um, maybe some things but you know we should be as honest as we can in that moment and um, even you know whatever it might be so integrity would be that one Uh, so we obviously have humility hard work and integrity the last one that she would definitely throw in there is happiness Um, I find happiness in certain ways um, that other people wouldn't find happiness in I find happiness in hard work in humility and other people would define that a little bit differently Um, erica my wife would just say happiness she wants to raise a happy healthy child and that is something very important to her and our family is for them to just be happy too because if it doesn't make them happy what's the point in doing it so i really strive to really instill the first three core values and then she's kind of she's she's she wants to make sure we're happy which is an excellent addition to those, you know, three to four values that that we can instill on a daily basis to our children. And um, and I think about those all the time. Uh, like I said, I think it's probably our greatest issue that we have in this country is one family should know what their core values for. What do you stand for? What do you believe in? And what are you trying to represent yourself and give to your family? And furthermore, is it's the easiest way to make a decision in your family and in your life and in your business. When the question's presented to you, I simply, you know, I have a very similar but different core values at our gym. It's uh, hunger, humility, conscious, purposeful, and elevate others. Those are our five core values of Aspire. And if any business problem comes to me and I don't know the answer to it, I think back to my core values and it's answered very quickly. Within an instant, I know what I should be doing for this situation if I just choose along with those core values. Mm -hmm. Same goes for our family. Same goes for that. And last night, for example, he hurt his wrist And I did not want to take him to the ER because I don't go to the ER. I don't really use the hospital system. I try to do everything myself. And that's how I treat myself. But now this is my son. What do I do? Do I let – does his arm hurt? Like it doesn't really seem to be bothering him. Like let's just wrap it up and wait a few days. That's what I would do. So why shouldn't I do that with my son? But my wife wanted to go to the ER. And I said, shoot, you know, like the humble thing to do is to go see a professional. I need to, you know, I need to listen to my wife and I need to see a professional. Both of, you know, she thinks that we should do this and they know the answer to it. You know, they'll know whether it's broken or not. I don't. They'll know. So I need to be humble to that fact and go to the ER. And she was 100% right and they were 100% right and it was broken. And would I have been a detriment to him to not be humble in that situation? Yes. He would have had a broken arm this morning and we would have not been on track to fix it.
0: Wow. I the the your first value of humility and that humble and being open to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. And <laughs> the wives are usually right. PSA. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but you mentioned the humility and being humble and and being humble to the fact that you might not know the answer, like in your example of not knowing whether your son's arm was broken or not. Um, how do you think travel sets you up? to instill those family values in your, in your mm-hmm. into your family. So I, I think personally that humility and being open to learn and not knowing all the answers, that's like mm-hmm. an easy one for me because, man, you go to a different country or a different mm-hmm. state, even like Florida is a vastly different state to mm-hmm. Washington, not just geographically and, and topography, the topography and the land, but also just mindset-wise and politically and everything. Mm-hmm. How do you think travel helps you set, and instill your family values into your family.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think first of all, it's a it's a blank slate, right? So you were going to an unknown or maybe a partially known place and giving yourself the opportunity to learn that culture, that world, that area, and take it in at the same time with your with your with your family. Um So just that exploration part of it is huge because you guys get to see this and experience this together. Um, Also, it's I think by default, by taking a lot of technology out of it, which is why I love traveling to some of these remote places, is I don't have the ability to use technology. I have an ePurb GPS that if something is an emergency, I can get us out of the situation, I can text satellite phone, I can do those things. But for like day-to-day communications, I might not be able to communicate at all with people. So the absence of technology, as well as just us being pushed together, especially in a tiny little place like a van, is the perfect opportunity to instill those values. Because we have almost 24-7 in a tight, closed space all together. So it's an awesome opportunity to make sure you you walk the walk and you talk the talk and you're leading by example for your family. Mm-hmm. And we can – I've thought about writing our family values somewhere in our house. I've thought about it at our gym, writing our gym values. And I think both are cool and I, I'm not saying I won't ever do that. But what's better than having it written? It's a good reminder. And I'm not saying I won't do it. Maybe I can do it somehow cool some way and maybe in a beach sheet decor that goes with our house that my wife would allow one day. Um <laughs> But until then, the best way we can do it is by living it. And that's the number one way you could do it anyways. So that trip, that, you know, gives you that opportunity to completely make sure you're living it right. Mm. You're taking in a new place. You're with each other 24-7. And you're getting to experience new places and new people together for the first time. They see those interactions. Yeah. They see how you interact with the world around you. It's a really, really cool way to demonstrate it. I, I think that's the best way I can describe it.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like a microcosm of yeah. your daily life yeah. jam-packed into two weeks and you get a, a microscope, mm-hmm. <laughs> microscopic level of observation within yourself. Yeah, and you
1: can point out those observations, right? Mm-hmm. Like I went and got ice cream with with Dylan when we were in a small town in northern Washington and I pointed out how nice the person was. I was like, wow, wasn't that person very nice? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, did they let you try as many flavors as you want? And they're like, yeah. And not to say that you couldn't find that in South Florida, but I've never pointed out a really nice person to him in South Florida. Not to say they don't exist. Maybe I need to open my eyes a little bit more and not be so shut off and in my routine, right? Um, But, you know, while we're there, I'm able to do that. So he sees, oh, wow, there's nice people. You know, maybe I should be nicer. Or... You know, just how we interact with any of our surroundings, talking about the geography or how different things are, you know, even even negative influences, mm. you, know, you know, being able to point those out. Yeah. And we were walking through the streets of Seattle and there was a massive homelessness and drug use problem in Seattle, especially in the tourist areas that we were in. It was terrible to walk through and we pointed it out. And we said, you know, we told him he doesn't know right now. But I was like, this is why you don't do drugs. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, he he won't quite understand that just yet. But once he's a little older, I'm not going to shy him away from that. He needs to see those things. That's the reality of this world. And he needs to experience it. And hopefully that will keep him away from some bad things as well those good examples as well as those negative examples.
0: Yeah. And also compassion as well. When you go to um, other countries and there's just Mm -hmm. different poverty lines and Mm -hmm. different normals, Mm -hmm. different realities and be able to just have compassion for what's happening around the world and Mm -hmm. opening up their eyes to, you know, all the highs and lows of of the world and what it has to offer. Yeah.
1: And just making sure he's observant, pointing things out to him, new things. We, When we're in that routine, when we're in that daily life, right, like driving up to Boca today to see you, I didn't look around at all. I stared at the road. I mean, there's nothing I haven't seen before. I'm not pointing out things to him. But when we're traveling, I'm constantly pointing out things to him, new things. Oh, look, there's another van like ours. Look at that mountain. Look at that this. Look at that. You know, and then it makes him more observant in daily life, too, because every day he's seeing new things, even though I'm not because I'm in my routine. I see this all the time. I've lived here for long enough. He's still seeing these little things, and I think that's from travel as well because we're pointing them out when we're traveling. That when we get home, he's still noticing because mm-hmm. he's still constantly looking.
0: Yeah, and and not only is that observation good for him, but it's also keeping you in the present moment and reminding you how much beauty mm-hmm. is all around you. Yeah, yeah. I remember we <laughs> we were driving through Ireland, the trip that I talked about last summer, and. We, there was constantly cows and horses and sheep and there's the moo-moos and the nay-nays and, the, you know, all the different sounds. And then we're driving around off I-95 in Florida. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Can I, where's the moo-moos? And I was like, we're going to have to go really far west to go yeah. see some moo-moos here. Yeah. Like there is a lot of concrete. There's not a lot of moo-moos. So it's interesting how their brains are always looking out for those points of and awe remember and wonder. they Yes.
1: Like yes. Uh, they might not remember that specific trip when they're two or three years old when they're 10 But they'll remember pictures, but they'll remember these experiences and these experiences will come on. Someone once told me, like asked me, they're like, oh, why are you doing this with your son? He's not going to remember any of this. And I was like, A, that's kind of depressing because I really want him to. So thanks for bringing that up. B, um, (laughs) I'll make sure I take more pictures. C, but he will remember the experiences. He has, you know, the first time he saw a mountain was in probably Utah Uh, something resembling a mountain. And then when we see more mountains, he goes, oh, mountains. Mm -hmm. He knows what they are now. And those things build upon their layers and layers of knowledge that they'll take for the rest of their life. So that observation and just getting those new experiences, he grows so much every time we travel.
0: Every time we travel. I love that so much because they don't remember every story you've ever read to them, every hug you've ever given. Mm -hmm. They don't remember you teaching them how to walk. They don't remember any of those developmentally – huge milestones mm-hmm. and that, that, that overall sense of support and safety they remember they have at home. They don't remember the day-to-day, but they'll walk away feeling loved and supported at home. They'll walk away being confident to try new things, mm-hmm. riding their bike for the first time, all of those things that we think are normal adventures for mm-hmm. our little ones to have. So why don't we think that the experiences abroad or traveling or hiking, why don't we think that those experiences, while they might not remember the specific details, they'll remember like the experiences imprinted in their yeah. being.
1: And they'll remember they'll remember all exactly. It's it's now their personality. Like I know that hard work will be instilled in Dylan because I've taken him on my back up a mountain before, mm-hmm. up multiple mountains. And he'll see pictures of that that I didn't go by myself. So not only am i take t- teaching him hard work by taking him there with me, not only am I demonstrating that this is part of life, that we get to travel and explore and do hard things. Um, but we're doing it together as a family, which is really cool. And he's also gonna remember That what was I doing before that trip? Well, I was training in the gym and I was working hard in order to get there. I was changing up my training routine and including him in it where we were doing steps and weighted step ups and lunges and other things like that training to walk up the mountain. And we talked about it. I said, hey, we're doing step ups today. We got to practice walking uphill. And he's like hiking. And I was like, exactly. And he knows that we train to do these things. So there's effort that, you know, they always say like it's not what's the quote, um, it's not about the destination. It's the journey, man, you know? And, like, I agree because, like, yes, the destination's cool, but some of the coolest trails I've ever done and some of the best life experiences I've ever had, the destination's anticlimactic in so many ways. It, it's it's okay, it's cool, but now we're going to go back. The trail to get there was so cool or the path to get there or the routines or the habits I created in order to get there are what's really the sauce right there. That That's where it's at. Because the destination oftentimes, like I said, is anticlimactic. Because once I get to a destination, it's slightly depressing. I just want to get to the next destination. I'm always goal-oriented, forward-thinking. But I really, really appreciate the journey. Mm. The journey is great. That's why if I don't get to the destination, I'm not very disappointed. You know, if I have to turn around early on the trail because something, you know, happened, I'm I'm not disappointed because everything I went to get there is what I find most rewarding. Mm.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for just sharing yeah. so much and being so open and vulnerable about your own family. Yeah. And and I think listeners are going to get so much just from the fitness perspective, the goals and boundaries perspective, family culture. There were so many yeah, amazing cool. nuggets through this. I want to offer just this last little space here to share if there's any last things you want to share or ways for people to connect with you online yeah. or in yeah. person here in South Florida. Yeah.
1: Um, definitely social media wise, uh, I'd say Instagram is my social media of choice. Uh, that's that's where I spend most of my time and po- post most of my stuff, just at Sean Spires, where you can find me, my gym. Um, I share an awful lot of gym-related things, but also just health and fitness-related things as well on there. That's at Aspire Sports Lab. We're located in Pompano Beach. If you want to stop in and drop in for a workout, we would love to have you anytime. Um, just come by or, or message us online so we can get you booked for an appointment. And if you're not ready for a class yet, you don't think you're there yet, then go ahead and book an intro session with us. You'll be one-on-one with me or one of my coaches. We'll take you through a little workout and kind of find out what's best for you and the best approach for you and your goals and what's best for you moving forward. So come check us out at Aspire Sports Lab and Aspire CrossFit. Follow us online. Message me on Instagram if you need anything. And uh, I hope I added some sort of value to your day and you got something from it.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So I always finish these episodes with just four quick Rapid fire questions off the top of your head. Hit me. Okay. If you could only go back to one country, town, or place in the world, where would it be?
1: Yeah, Zion. Um, So I guess I'd be Springdale, Utah, but Zion National Park. It's my wife and I's favorite place. Mm -hmm. We love it. Um, Yeah, we're going back there.
0: I've added that since watching your guys' journey there in Washington. I've added all of that to my bucket list. And
1: once again, very accessible, totally a lot of easy things you can do there.
0: Amazing. And also great to do when it's... Hot as hell in Florida yeah. to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> and it it go gets out hot there, in the there summer. to you watch yeah. out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two, what's number one on your bucket list right now?
1: Hmm, number one on my bucket list right now. Oh, it has to be rapid fire. I don't know. Uh,
0: It can be slow fire. It's okay. Yeah.
1: Number (laughs) one on my bucket list. There's so many things I want to do. There's also so many things I have done. I guess since we were just out in Washington, I'd really like to climb Mount Rainier. Mm. Um, We obviously hiked around it. um, But my wife set a goal for her 40th birthday. Um, My goal for 40 is to go to Burning Man with my family. Her goal for 40 is to climb Mount Rainier. So – we want to do one of those two things.
0: That'll be a big year for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will. <laughs> awesome. Number three, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned while traveling?
1: I think it's just got to be patience slash flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that the what you have in mind may not go that way. But just take it as, as long as you just take it in as it is and uh, kind of direct it the best way you can. It's, it's amazing.
0: Awesome. And the last one is give one piece of advice to an aspiring explorer.
1: Hmm. It's, it's redundant in the word, but it's explore. Um, I, I think so many people want to do things, especially with this beautiful or weird world, whatever you want to call it of Instagram and social media. We see these things, especially if you follow a lot of like the, you know, wanderlust or exploring or adventure pages, you see these places, your people go and you're like, wow, that's so pretty. I wish I can go. Well, guess what? You can You just need to explore. And a lot of these things are not very far off the beaten path. They only take a basic level of fitness. um, And you're going to have some speed bumps along the way. I've gotten our van stuck on the side of river beds before. Like, it happens. But, like, you'll find a solution. Or you can just ask someone for help. So just explore. Talk to people. Find out how to do these right. Follow blogs. Follow Instagram posts. And learn how to do it to the best of your ability. But just get out there and do it. Just explore.
0: Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining today. For yeah. everyone listening, please connect with Sean online. And please, please, please just reach out with any questions. If you've been inspired by this episode, please share with somebody that you love. And we will just keep on exploring.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for <laughs> Thank having <you>. me, Kelly. <laughs>
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform With Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.